Hey there, welcome to the Rim Church Podcast. We're so glad you found us. The Rim Church is based in San Antonio, Texas, and we believe in loving Jesus, building family, and changing the world. Wherever you find yourself today, we trust that it is not by accident that you're listening to this message, and we believe that God has something to speak to you right where you are. For more information on what we're all about, go ahead and visit us at therim.church or follow us on Instagram and Facebook. We hope you enjoy the message. Well, my my three-year-old daughter uh, recently has gotten into a lot of the like seek and find books. Um, Her favorite right now is one called Lost Cousins. Uh, she's getting really into Waldo. Any, any y'all remember Waldo uh, back in the day? Not, oh, not as many as I thought. Okay. Uh, wow. I thought that was a surefire. Uh, okay. Well, we have a picture of Waldo. Okay. This is what it looked like. And then you would find Waldo as a striped shirt. So just real quick, raise your hand once you see Waldo, once you find him. Hold it up. Keep it up. Yeah, that's a lot. You were like, I knew. Some people still looking. Found him, found him. A little bit longer. Lashad, you got it. Karis has it. You still looking? Got it? Okay. Uh, we're going to kind of, I'll help you out if you still haven't found him yet. Uh, show us. So, yeah, there he is. Okay. He's got the glasses. Uh, yeah. Some of you, uh, we don't have it circled, but his, I think it's his sister or cousin, Winda, uh, is to the right, right above the, uh, the, the umbrella. So, fun fact there. Uh, but she loves these books, and, uh, and some of them are, like, really hard. Like, she's quick to find them, or we're just sitting there looking, and it's just like, I don't know, babe. Like, let's just go to the next page. And uh, some of them, like, they're harder because they have, like, the wizard, and then he's got a dog, and then he's got, like, Odd, Odd Law, which is the, white, the yellow and black one. Uh, so, but, re- but when I was a kid, and we haven't gotten to these with Tilly, I don't think she could handle it. Uh, these were really, really popular. These, these magic eye books. Do y'all remember? Who remembers these? Oh, okay, cool. More than Waldo. That's actually interesting. Um, well, Magic Eye, uh, this new way of looking at the world, uh, it was a book that had tons of pictures like the one that you see kind of in the middle there. Uh, it, there were posters that you could buy. And the whole philosophy was that you could uh, look at it, and if you concentrated, if you squinted your eye just right, if you saw through the picture, that there's actually, every one of them, there's a 3D image that like pops out of it, okay? And so it could be like a lion, or it's a giant castle, it's just like all these different images. How many of you could actually do this back in the day? Okay, a lot fewer, okay, a few of you, yeah, yeah. Now, here's, here's what, I've, what I've noticed, is if you were around and maybe a friend of yours had a poster, it usually went something like this. You'd be looking at it, you'd staring at it. For the most of us, you'd kind of look, and you'd look, and you'd look, and after five, ten minutes, uh, you just, you're like, man, I know there's probably something there that I should see, but I just can't see it. I'm not experiencing it like this, my friend is, and so you just get frustrated which led to kind of two responses. Either you just said, this is dumb, I don't want to deal with it, and you walked away, and you just never did it again, or you pretended that you saw it. You're like, oh, yeah, I see it. I think there, I, there it is. Yeah, it's, yeah what did you say? It's a lion. Yep, I, uh, that's, what it, that's what it is. But, you, but in the back of your mind, you knew that there was something you were supposed to see, 
something that you were supposed to experience, but you didn't. And I think you were left wondering, is there more? Is there more to experience, more to see? And the reason that I I bring that up is because I, I think that when it comes to Christianity, that more of us than are comfortable actually admitting feel that way. That we, we, we look at what it means to maybe follow Jesus, and we look close and we go, man, like I'm trying, I'm leaning in, I'm squinting, I'm trying to figure out how this actually works, and, and I know that there's probably something else that I'm supposed to experience, and I think there's probably more, but I don't quite fully see it, and so you get frustrated and you just walk away and be like, discount this thing, I don't think it's legit, or you just pretend. You go, oh yeah, yeah, this is what it, like, it looks like to follow Jesus. We show up on Sundays, we sing songs, we raise our hands at the appropriate time, we get up in the morning, we read this ancient book, pretend like we know what it's saying, we check off all these things and just pretend that this is what it really means to know and to walk with Jesus. But I venture to say that the vast majority of us in this room have gotten to a point where we've asked the question, is there more? Is, is this it? Like, or is it possible that we're not seeing the full picture and that we're actually invited into something so much deeper? So much deeper. I mean, some of us, like we even, we meet maybe like a, a new follower of Jesus or, or maybe you, you meet someone that spent time overseas or you read stories about these missionaries and you're just like the way they talk about Jesus. It's like, man, they, they spent time with him that morning. Like, it's like they really know him and you kind of walk away. And, and the language that sometimes we use is like, I feel like maybe they know a different Jesus than I know. That there's something else that they see that I'm not yet experiencing. And as we've stepped into this season of Awaken, this 30 days, 28 days of fasting and praying, last week we we talked about, man, God, would you awaken our eyes to the people around us? Like, don't let us miss the neighbors that you've legitimately surrounded us with, the people that we work with, the people that we play with, that it just may be that we're meant to be an answer to their prayer, that we're called to be good neighbors, that we're called to actually have impact in this world. And today, we're going to look at this, really, this question, is there more, which I submit there is, and we're going to ask God to awaken us to His presence with us in a way that we have never experienced before. And my prayer for myself in this season and my prayer for you in this season is that each one of us would maybe take off the floaties, spiritually speaking, and we would get invited into the deep things of who God is. And although it may be scary, maybe we can't touch, but we learn to fully trust and fully rely on who he is and that we would experience life and life to the fullest that he promises. And so let's look at our our text that we just read. This Luke 10, 
verse 1. Now, before I read this, we, we, the text last week was from Luke 10, the Good Samaritan story. Uh, Jesus here is going to send out 72 uh, of his disciples, and they're going to have crazy impact. Like, if you just take chapter 10 and just kind of read it in the wild, like, it's, it's intense. The disciples do crazy things. Like, they're going house to house. They're seeing people go from death to life. They're watching demons get cast out of people. There are people that are healed. Like, I mean, some crazy impactful things. The, like, the kingdom of God is advancing. But before it starts, it's literally kind of it starts in verse 1. And this is what it says. We'll read it again. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others, and he sent them ahead of time in pairs to every town and place where he himself was about to go. I want you to zero in on those first two words. After this. After this. I've never noticed this in the text. I've just kind of jumped into the story of the 72, this story of, of crazy impact. But what Jesus is saying is that, that the really, that after, like, or sorry, that, like that impact is going to happen, but that happens after this, which begs the question, what is this? What is he talking about? What happened before they have this massive impact? Well, he's alluding to Luke chapter 9, but not just 9 really the, the rest of the book, but I want to specifically zero in on chapters 5 through 9, which I'd encourage you this week, maybe in your devotional time, man, just walk through the, these chapters. They're crazy, but chapter 5 is where we see Jesus calling the first disciples, and in chapters 5 through 9, we don't really see the disciples have that much impact. This is where it really takes off. Their ministry takes off. What you see before in these chapters is they have intimacy with Jesus. They're learning to walk with Jesus. They're growing close to Jesus. So here's what I want you to see. If that happens after this, then I want you to know that impact always happens after intimacy. That fruitfulness always happens after fellowship and friendship with Jesus, that we have to start with intimacy that leads to the impact. Intimacy with Jesus always comes, always comes before impact for Jesus. And so here's what I want to do. I want to just spend some time looking at these previous chapters, and I want to talk about what does it look like to actually have intimacy with Jesus. Not just a philosophy, not a metaphor, not a theory, but an actual, real, intimate relationship with Jesus. Okay? So there, there are two parts to intimacy, and I think intimacy is really helpful. Like this is, maybe a, that might be a weird word for you when it comes to Jesus. But think, and a big piece of that, a big ingredient is the idea of trust. Okay? Like you cannot be intimate with anyone that you do not trust. Trust literally breaks down intimacy. And so there are two parts that, I, that looking through these previous texts that I see in the scripture uh, when it comes to intimacy. And the first part is when it comes to intimacy, there's this letting go. There's letting go of some things. And then secondly, 
There's learning to live with Jesus. So there's letting go of some stuff that Jesus is asking, and then learning to live with Jesus. Not just for Jesus, not just to look like Jesus. Those are important. But to actually learn to live with Jesus. Now, I know this to be true uh, in my marriage. Like if I want and I desire intimacy with Jane, trust with Jane, that there's going to be some things that I have to let go of in my life. Like when I said yes to marrying Jane, like I let go uh, of the single life. I, I let go of lack of communication, or at least we're growing in that one, okay? Getting better at communication. Uh, I let go of dating other women. Like it's a part, like there's things you have to let go of. The same as it's intimacy with Jane is learning to live with Jane. You know, like you've, many of you have heard me share our engagement story and wedding story. Uh, and our engagement story is phenomenal, P.S. Uh, fellas, if you need hint or helpful hints, like I, I'm in it for you. I'll coach you uh, for a low charge. Um, and our wedding was beautiful. But here's the deal. As amazing as our engagement story is and as amazing as our wedding was, those two things were just moments in our life and were really not the point. The point is the marriage, what you do after you say yes. That's where intimacy is built. Not in that, those two single moments, but how you learn to, how I learned to live alongside of Jane. It's about this marriage. And I want to not just live for Jane or to live and look like Jane. I want to live with Jane. So the same is true when it comes to Jesus. That Jesus, to really have intimacy with Jesus, he is going to ask you to let go of some things. And we're going to look at a few in just a little bit. There's a lot. I'm going to just highlight a few. I want, before we even step into it, I want you to know this. I have a feeling one or two of these is going to sting a little bit for you. Uh, it'll be different for every person. Pay attention to that, okay? That's not from me. That may be the Holy Spirit whispering, hey, we got to talk about this. But I also want you to know this, that whatever Jesus is asking you to let go of, it's because he has something better in store for you. That he loves you that much that he's going, hey, it's not about rules. It's not about like you doing this to please me. He goes, no, no, no. What you're holding is not going to satisfy you. And so I want to take it from you and give you something better. So know that. So intimacy is letting go of some things. The first thing, if you're taking notes, is intimacy is letting go of religion. Intimacy is letting go of religion. You see this in, throughout so many, I'm just going to highlight a few. Uh, in Luke uh, 5.17, Jesus heal, heals a paralyzed man. But before he does that, he heals the man's sin, which caused a massive uproar. And ultimately, I think it's going to lead him to being getting killed. Because people are like, wait a second, you can't heal sins. That's not on you. So it like flipped their religious paradigm upside down. In verse 33, he talks about fasting. And the, the religious leaders had the, the way they fast, like down to a T, you have to do it at this point, at this moment, and you got to do it this way. And Jesus just comes and flips the script, 
Right after that, he talks about that God's doing this new thing and that it's, it's not, it's not going to get, you can't take God's new wine and put it in old wineskins or, or better, like I'm doing this new thing. You can't stick it in a religious manner, a religious form. It's not going to work. God's not going to let himself get boxed in. And that even the Sabbath, that they ask so many questions in chapter 6, like aren't you supposed to do it this way? You follow these rules. You do it to a T. And Jesus is like, it's not about religion. Maybe the way this translates for you and I is that we have to let go of all of the religious hoops, all of the formulas that we think, equations that we can plug in, that are somehow going to control God. Like literally, just real talk. Many of us in this season right now, we're going, okay, God, listen, I'm, I'm going to fast, like I'm giving up lunch, or I'm, I'm, doing co- I'm not doing coffee, or, or whatever it is, and God, if I do this, if I jump through this hoop, then I'm expecting something from you. So therefore, I have a formula, it's a new formula, I haven't tried this one called fasting, or maybe it's prayer, or maybe it's church attendance, or maybe it's reading my scripture, and if I do these things, then somehow I can perform for you and make you love me or feel better about myself. And Jesus is going to go, you got to let go of that. It's not about that. The intimacy or like, is not about religion, or let me put it another way for all of us, performance. Intimacy is all about proximity. It's all about proximity. And that's, it's different. Okay, because here's the deal. We can control religion. It puts us in charge. We like it. We can check enough boxes. We feel better about ourselves. But we have to let go of that if we really want to experience intimacy with Jesus. Second one is, uh, there's so many more. I'm just hitting a few. Reputation. Uh, you got to let go of your reputation. Uh, this one's going to hurt a few of you. Uh, verse, uh, chapter 6, verse 22, okay? Uh, it just says this. Jesus says, blessed are you when people hate you, when they exclude you, insult you, slander your name as evil, not because you're weird and mean, but because you love me, because of the Son of Man, because you're intimate with me, that you're willing to let go of your reputation. Or in chapter 7, I'll just highlight this one. Jesus is at a Pharisee's house, and uh, they're eating, and all of a sudden, uh, there's a woman. I guess it's her. Jesus is there. She just kind of busts into the house uninvited. Uh, Your copy of Scripture may say that she's a sinner, uh, or if you're old school, it will say like a woman of ill repute. Uh, That translates to this woman was a prostitute. Okay, She's coming from the red light district. And she sneaks her way into uh, a pastor's house that's hosting Jesus. And so she just goes up to Jesus and she just takes her perfume and begins to just pour it over Jesus. She's, she's weeping and her tears are like falling on Jesus' face. She's taking her hair and she's wiping and drying Jesus' feet. And she just can't stop kissing Jesus' feet. Now just think about that for a moment. Imagine being in your house church and all of a sudden... A prostitute walks in and just starts kissing all over your house church leader. Like, you're like, whoa. Like, the disciples have to be like, hey, man, 
if someone takes a photo of this and puts it on the gram, like this is bad PR. <laughs> like this, is, this doesn't look good. And Jesus was comfortable being uncomfortably close to others. He was willing to leave his reputation behind. And he asked you and I to do the same. The third thing is comfort. Jesus, it's wild. He makes everybody feel uncomfortable. Uh, like, I mean, here, if you just seem reading these chapters, like he's breaking all the rules. He's speaking in riddles. He's uh, saying very difficult things. He's hanging out with prostitutes and tax collectors and sinners. And he even touches a man with leprosy in chapter 5. Like, and what's wild is, I noticed this uh, this morning and just kind of made this side note. Jesus actually had this superpower of making everyone who felt uncomfortable in life feel extremely comfortable and then everyone who was comfortable he made feel wildly uncomfortable it's amazing in verse uh, chapter 6 verse 24 once again get this is uncomfortable he says but woe to you who are rich or comfortable for you have received your comfort Woe to you who are now full, for you will be hungry. Woe to you who are now laughing, for you will mourn and weep. Woe to you when all people speak well of you, for this is the way their ancestors used to treat their false prophets. You're going to have to let go of your comfort. In Luke 9, verse 23, Jesus looks to his people and he says this. He says, if anyone wants to follow after me. Let him deny himself. That's all your comforts. Take up his cross daily. Just think about that for a second. The idea of a cross, there is no comfort found in a cross. And then follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life because of me will save it. Don't forget, church, that the symbol of our faith is a cross not a couch. That the cross is a symbol of death and discomfort. And you have to let go of your comfort. The third thing is, and really honestly, this was kind of a catch-all. Uh, really all think the first three really land in this. But Jesus is to really, you know, experience intimacy with him, you're going to have to let go of control. Yeah. All three of them? The symbol, that part, the symbol of our faith is a cross, not a couch. Is that it? Perfect. The, the fourth is this, control. Control. And really the truth is, uh, we run to religion because we want to control. We run to our reputation. We want to try to control how people view us and see us. We run to comfort because we feel like we have some form of control. It creates that illusion. But Jesus just goes after it. And if you look in uh, chapter 5, um, in verse 5, you have this really cool story uh, where Jesus is uh, he's speaking on the shore. And the people are getting so, like, so big that they can't hear him. And so he gets on a boat, uh, Peter's boat, and they kind of set out a little bit, which is really interesting because there's these cliffs behind Jesus in the, in the actual setting. 
and it would have acted as this natural amplifier. So actually him stepping back, it would have echoed, more people could hear it. So he teaches, and at the end of his teaching, he looks over at Peter, and he tells him, he's like, hey, take your nets, and I want you just to throw them uh, on the other side, and uh, let's see what happens. And Peter's response is, like, Master, Lord, uh, we've worked hard all night long and caught nothing. The fish usually came to the surface at night when it was cooler. Here they are in the middle of the day. And so Peter's looking, he's like, hey, Jesus, all night, all day, hours, we got nothing to show for it. And here it is in the worst possible time to fish. And you, no offense, Jesus, not a fisherman. You're a carpenter, if I remember. And so here you are trying to give us advice. That's a little weird, right? Jesus has no background in fishing. And here he is. He gives us instructions. And I love Peter's response. But if you say so, I'll let down the nets. The story then is that the nets are so full as they pull them on the boat that the, that the nets start to tear. The boats start to sink and they have to get other boats to come help them. That it, for, for Peter to experience impact, he had to let go of control. Or Levi in chapter 5, man, he leaves everything. It says Jesus just walks up to him and goes, Levi, come follow me. And immediately, Levi, a tax collector, wealthy man, a lot of comfort. It says he just got up, left everything behind, and just started following Jesus. Left all the control of his life and how he predicted it to play out in Jesus' hands. Many of us, we want to control and manage the outcomes of our life. But we can't do that and follow Jesus. It's impossible for him to be Lord and for you to stay in control. Those are in opposite directions. He's either in control or you're trying to be in control. But even like, let me just break it down practically. I don't know how many of you guys have felt this. This is just a confession in my own heart, okay, uh, of God exposing control in my life. Here we are. We are on day seven of this prayer and fasting season, okay? And like I said last week, we're kind of fasting from sunup to sundown. And uh, it didn't take but like day five where I was like, hey, okay, God, five days in, why haven't? all of the people I'm praying for, like, surrender their life to you. Um, uh, Jesus, uh, my son still has holes in his heart. Thought you would heal that on day two. What's going on? Like, but really, like, that shows the posture of my heart that I think that following Jesus, I can actually I mean, hold on to control. I can actually manage the outcomes if I do it a certain way. But Jesus is asking us to let go of some things. Those are just a few. So let me ask you, what is Jesus asking you to let go of? It may be one of those four. It may be something else. But if you're walking with Jesus, he is asking you to let go of something. What is it? What is it that you're holding on to? 
What is it that you said, Jesus, you can have all of these things, but this one I'm holding on to. For you to experience full intimacy, the intimacy that every one of our hearts long for, it's full surrender. The next part is not only intimacy involves letting go, intimacy is learning to live with Jesus. Not just for Jesus or living like Jesus, but to live with Jesus. Now, I want to confess real quick. This is where it shifts a bit. The last three weeks, uh, I mean, I've worked so hard, Austin's worked so hard trying to create some like just tangible training pieces so that you could walk away. And we've given you almost an acronym every week. Like we talked about prayer and it was like we have a P-R-A-Y. Like, you know, it's pause, or sorry, praise, repent, ask, yield. You know, it's fast, focus on God. For, like, it was like we were just like nail it. Even last week I was like, I'm going to make them with, they have all four, start with L so they're easy to remember. Um, four steps, and as you can do this. And the truth is, and I've wrestled with this all week, when it comes to walking with Jesus, being with Jesus, there is no formula. There is no four steps. There's some best practices for sure. But there is no formula here. And I know. Every one of us, I can hear you like, Drew, just tell us what to do. Uh, it'd be so much easier. And I just, I can't. I, I can't. The best we have is in John 15. Jesus essentially tells the disciples, if you'll just abide with me, just be with me. If you'll just be with me. You're like, how, Jesus? How does that work? He just goes, you just stay with me. You just be with me. Then... That intimacy will create impact. That, 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 that friendship will create fruitfulness. Actually, it goes, you can't produce fruit in your life, impact in your life, unless you are walking with me, abiding in me. And so I want to give just maybe one definition that's been kind of helpful for me to wrap my mind around it, and then I'll kind of land the plane. Um, we hear this phrasing with Jesus, or like a lot of people when we, we talk about our faith, we'll say maybe walking with Jesus. We walk with Jesus. Now the, that phrase, walking, or that word walking, it translates, if you find it anywhere in the this Old Testament, there's some parts, there's some parts in the, in the New Testament. The best definition is, is that walking is human locomotion or human movement with no concern about the destination. It's human movement with no concern about the destination. Now when I think about that, the question that pops into my mind is, when in life am I walking anywhere where I don't have a destination in mind, a goal? Like if I'm walking to the kitchen, it's to grab a glass and to fill it with water. Like if I walk to the garage, it's to grab that, that supply thing to bring back into the house. If I'm, you know, walking outside, it's to go to the car, to the mailbox. Like I have a destination in mind every time. And then it dawned on me that I remember when Jane and I first started dating. We were in Washington State. And we, uh, you know, lived pretty close to each other. So I would just walk to a door, knock. 
and we would just like go on walks. Our first date, we just literally walked through uh, the city of Seattle. And we'd walk and we were talking and there's that moment where you're kind of like halfway paying attention to where you are and then there's a moment maybe hours into it that you look up and you're like, where are we? Like let's try to figure and try to backtrack. So then all of a sudden it dawned on me, the only time that you're not concerned about the destination when you're walking is when you're more focused on who you're walking with. When you're walking with Jesus and you're like, hey, I don't know where we're going. I don't know what this is going to look like. I don't know what's around the next turn, the turn. But listen, I'm with you, and that's all that matters. Like that, that's the intimacy that Jesus is actually asking you and I to come into. It's like learn to live with him, to learn to walk with him, not just live for him or looking like him, but to actually walk with him. To follow him. Just one step, side by side. And here's my fear. I think we get this backwards, especially in the American church. Most of us are not, just be honest, are not interested in following Jesus. We want him to follow us. They were like, hey, listen, I'm going to go to work. Jesus, come on, come on, come on. He's like a pet, like he's like a little dog. Okay, Jesus, right where I left you on the couch, let's, uh, let's hang out, maybe talk about the day, and then I'll, uh, maybe, yeah, you get in the back seat, and we'll head to work. Like, we, 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 we invite Jesus, like, Jesus, these are my plans, and if you could, I don't know, bless them. Make them, make them work. Very rarely, or we're like, Jesus, what are you doing? Where, where are you going? Like, what, what, what do you want me to do? Because check this out, listen, if walking with Jesus and Jesus goes, hey, I want to take this right turn and you stop or take a left, guess what? You're not walking with him. But to constantly have a mindset of Jesus, where are you going? What are you doing? And how can I keep in step with you? This, is, this changes everything. This is how we experience intimacy on a deep level, actually walking with him, actually trusting him, like stepping into meetings and going, Jesus, I, I don't know, like, yeah, I've got some plans here, but if you, if you want to take a left, you want to take a right, like, I want to follow you. Like, in this conversation with my spouse, like, yeah, Jesus, I need you to give me your grace, your peace, and would you guide this? Like, I'm listening to you. Like, to actually walk with him. This is the image that we get before sin enters the world. That Adam and Eve walked with God in the garden, in the cool of the day. That you even think about a couple of other people that had crazy impact. Moses, uh, his story, it's wild. Uh, I mean, he leads like millions of people out of slavery, abolishing slavery for the Israelites. Um, and uh, he writes the first five books of the Old Testament, like that's a pretty dope resume. Um, but what was he known before any of that stuff comes out? Exodus 33 says that Moses met with God face to face like a man who meets with a friend. There was intimacy before he ever steps into the promised land. When he actually doesn't get to step into the promised land, before he leads him into the promised land. So um, check that history. Um, so you're gonna, somebody's going to send me an email. Um, <laughs> caught it, luckily. Uh, King David, oh my gosh, this dude 
I mean, he kills Goliath. I mean, the greatest king that the Israelites have ever seen. Like, he's the great, 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 great grandfather of Jesus. Like, but what was, his, what was the main thing he was known for? What was the reputation that he had? That he was a man after God's own heart. There was intimacy. But well before, there was impact. Or think about the church in Acts 2, like just 120 people, and it's about to explode to 3,000 people across the, and eventually it becomes 50% of the Roman Empire to roughly now 2 billion people on planet Earth confess to be followers of Jesus. But it started before ever impact. There was 120 people in an upper room on their knees begging for intimacy with Jesus. Or even this week, man, like look at if you're going through the Bible reading plan with us. We're in 1 Corinthians 13. And Paul in his letter, he just is like, hey, listen, here's the deal. You can prophesy. You can have mad talents. You can cast out demons. You, you can tell all of your neighbors about Jesus. Like, you, you can have some really cool impact in the world. But if you do it without love, or intimacy with me, it's pointless. You missed it. You tried to do it on your own, and it'll never get you as far as you want to go. Church, this is our hope in this season, that you would experience intimacy like you had no idea was possible. In Awakening Season, we don't want you, I mean, just to skip a meal each day. We don't want you to just maybe get good at having a 15-minute devotional in, in the morning or to half-heartedly pray for eight of your neighbors. We want you to experience Jesus like you never have before. That maybe just like the magic eye, we'd, we'd squint, we'd lean in a little bit and try to focus and go, God, I know there's more, and I want it. I want it. I want it. Well, before I kind of wrap up our time, uh, I want to uh, share just a few quick stories about what God has been doing. We'll do this each week, but a few quick stories of uh, just, man, God's faithfulness. Um, one, uh, we had uh, some people talking uh, in kind of a thread, and one of our, our people in our church had just said they'd been prayer walking and uh, asking God to just let them meet their neighbors, just asking for opportunities. And they said within like the first day or two, they met three of the neighbors that they were on their list and set up appointments to hang out. One's coming over for dinner, one the, they're hanging out at the pub at Dooryard and grabbing a drink, and then the other one's coming to the Super Bowl party. Like, we just, like, and the question is maybe, hey, is that because we prayed and asked for it? Is it just because we have our eyes open? Probably both. But it's super cool. And we don't know. We don't know what's going to happen. But, God, but God's moving. Or I heard another story about um, that they were praying. I think this is on Tuesday, if my mind serves me correct. One of the pastors of, uh, of the other, one of the other churches that we're partnering with, and he was just saying that uh, he finished a meeting, got a phone call from his wife, and she's like, hey, our car isn't working um, it won't start. And so he called one of the neighbors that was on his list, and he came over, fixed the car, got it running for her, and then he just went over uh, when he got home from work just to tell her, or to tell him, thank you, and he wasn't there 
But his wife was there, and she's had a lot of health issues, and um, just began to share why she's in this wheelchair, what's going on, and he just got to put hands on her and pray over her and to tell her about how much Jesus loves them, and he's begging God to open up their eyes so they could experience Jesus to the fullest. And even this is, is pretty wild, and I'm still trying to place it. I see Rachel and Josh. Um, they were in a house church. Um, actually, just come up here, Rachel. I'm going to have you tell you this story. We have a microphone. Uh, you can speak for yourself. Uh, come here. Come on. I know she, she hates me for this. Rachel, come here. You guys in house church in recent years health issues kind of go, what happened? I'll let you, what happened? Um, so I'm the girl who you guys have been praying for with anaphylaxis. Um, and I, short version is I was diagnosed with a rare mast cell disease. My body's attacking me. Um, it takes on kind of any type of threat, whether it's stress or hot, I get too hot, I get too cold, or if it's food or a smell, and I never know what will trigger it. So, um, who can I hold on to that? Yeah, yeah. Um, the, on Sunday, or Friday, Friday? Friday. Um, was our house church, and we were there, and I, the night before, I'd gone in anaphylaxis, so I was already kind of triggered. Um, we almost didn't go, and then I was like, we should go, and... We did that back and forth. Um, but we went, and I got too hot. And I could feel it coming on. And sometimes when I get too hot, I can kind of feel the symptoms build until I collapse and stop breathing. Um, and so Josh, my husband, knows now, like, if my heart rate goes up or you could feel the heat radiating off my body. And um, so we left to the bathroom to try and cool me down, and Sarah's running around getting ice packs to put on my body because epi is awful, especially when you have to epi pen yourself like multiple times a week. It's really bad on for your heart. Um, so then we were going leave, and I was like, Josh is in the bathroom. I'm like, oh my clothes on. I'm like trying to calm down, and um, I was like, he's like, we should go, and I'm like, I don't feel like we're supposed to go. I feel like we're supposed to go back out there, which makes no sense. Um, and so we got me calmed down, my heart rate dropped, we got onto the couch, and I, like, curled up in Sarah's arms, and then, like, I could feel it, like, being, like, I'm gonna get you, and I was just, like, no, anyways, so I told Sarah, I was, like, we're gonna leave, like, we need to go, and she's, like, wait, we're praying, and so this whole room full of people, and some of you guys I know from house church, some of you are, like, brand new to me, which is really terrifying to let. Well, new people, hi. Um, <laughs> and, but they started praying, and I'm, I think all of us kind of struggle with what you're talking about. You know God's capable of pick up your mat and walk. You know God's capable of saying the cancer is gone, you know, but to actually believe that for yourself is a lot. And so... I was sitting there and struggling with that, going, well, these people are praying. I know you'll take it away if you want it to be gone. And I could feel the breath come back in my body. And then 
all this stuff, and I got cool. And I'm like, this is in your head. You are making this up. And then Sarah looks to me, and she's like, you just, the heat's gone. And I was like, it's not just me. I'm not imagining this. And um, then I calmed down, and I, we were actually able to stay for like another hour, 45 minutes at least, and then went home and crashed. But yeah, that's what happened. <laughs> Correct me if I'm wrong. I talked to Josh. Going into shock like this, uh, you've never not had to use the EpiPen or a trip to the hospital. It's been kind of one of those. This is like the first time yeah. something like that. To control it is yeah. rare. And so <laughs> here, here's the thing. I, when I first like even heard it, uh, there's a, you know, you're like, ah, uh, you know, uh, man, is, that, is that real? Like, um, but here's the deal. Like, uh, we have no idea like what God is capable of if we really are seeking to walk with him, not have him follow us, but to walk with him, and then we trust him in these steps. And so I, I, this is one of so many stories that we heard this week of just God's faithfulness in this season. Um, and so I want to do something really fast. I'm going to put someone on the spot. Uh... Who would hate me the least? Um, no, I want you to hang out. Uh, Peter, come here. Uh, I want to ask real quick, because um, this is just one episode. There's still a lot of health stuff that the doctors are trying to figure out. In uh, church, listen, as just an act of faith, um, would you be willing to maybe could we pray for Rachel, right now. Um, and so if everybody got up, that would be too much. Uh, she'd probably overheat uh, and go into shock, and we don't want that to happen. Um, but I would love for you to extend a hand. And what Peter prays, would you pray in agreement, not just listening, not just spectating, actually believing and trusting? Like, hey, God, I, we don't know what you're going to do, but we're not going to get caught not asking. And so, Josh, would you come up here, too, and just, um, and Peter asks, will you just, yes, yeah, Sarah. Father, um, Lord, I... We, we come before you um, needy. As I hear the story um, with everyone else, I'm, I'm, in, I'm encouraged to hear um, that God is able, but not only that you're able, but that you're willing. Um, and so it is to that fact, to the fact that we come before you not as those who are far off, not as orphans, but as children, children that you've adopted, um, paid for by your blood. And God, I, I'm going to ask big. I'm going to ask big, and um, I believe your children are in agreement here. Would you show up? 
in power. When I say show up in power, yes, we read. We read of you laying hands. We read of you spitting in the dirt. Um, we read of you saying a word. And people are healed. And um, you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we know by your spirit, Lord, that you are able to step into this moment. And um, so I pray. I pray, Father, would you be pleased to step in and heal, Lord. And I'm not praying for um, even more medicine. I'm praying that, Lord, even now as we call upon you, God, would you amaze us with your power. Amaze us with your power. Lord, please get rid of fear even in my heart to ask for what I really desire in this moment, for us to ask together for what we really desire in this moment. And we do desire healing of a supernatural kind. And I pray, Lord, would you do it? Would you show up and heal body, heal the cells, put them together? You're the one that puts our bodies together anyways from our mother's wombs. And so you know... You know the things that need to be corrected, and so I pray, Lord, yes, even now, come uh, in power. Heal, heal, Lord, and we, we trust in you to do so. God, I pray that you'd, you'd get the glory from this. May it not be that answered prayer leads us to just tell stories of answered prayer, but may answered prayer lead us to pray more, lead us to action, Lead us to love for our neighbor. Lord, even in this moment, would you awaken us to your power? Awaken us to your power to heal and to come near and to do things that no man can do, Lord. And give us, give us, give us a testimony today. Give us a testimony that God hears prayer and he acts. And he acts. And so I thank you for this time. I thank you that we can come before you. I thank you that we can ask and ask big and that we can be expectant that, Lord, you will show up. Thank you, Lord. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Well, here's what we're going to do. Um, in light of this, uh, we're just, I'm just going to kick this to you. We'll just end it. Uh, and here's what... I want you to do, I want you to get into groups of two, three, four max. And, uh, and I want you to just share in your group. Um, maybe what, be so bold to say, hey, what is God asking maybe you to let go of? Is there something he's spotlighted and he's like, hey, that you feel that invitation into deeper intimacy? And he goes, hey, but we're going to have to let go of some stuff to do that. Or maybe it's just like he spotlighted, hey, what it could look like to, to walk with him this week. Maybe share one of those and then, or, or share what it is that you need. Um, but what if, what if this morning we really were the body of Christ? What if we didn't just depend on a few people with microphones? to lead this thing? And what if we stepped into these moments just trusting and believing that God can do what only he can do?
So this is your time, your space. Groups two, three, share what's on your heart and then pray for each other. Thanks so much for listening. We hope that today's message resonated with you. It's our hope that you wouldn't be merely inspired, but that you would actually be transformed by something you heard today. At the Rim Church, we always ask two questions when processing God's word. What is God saying to you? And what are you going to do about it? We encourage you to take a moment, reflect, and then to share with a friend or send us a message. We'd love to hear what God is teaching you and how we can help you take your next step in obedience. Until we meet again, we love you, church.